Dive into the start of summer at Whole Foods Market. Check out their summer splash event with sales on fresh organic produce, organic strawberries, and a fan favorite sale on Ben and Jerry's and Talenti. Explore deals on grill-friendly meats like organic air-chilled chicken breast, beef and chicken kebabs, all with no antibiotics ever from our meat department. Plus, grab easy sides from prepared foods and cool off with refreshing drinks. Kick off your summer and shop in store or online at Whole Foods Market today. Start clean with Clorox because Clorox delivers a powerful clean every time. Because messes happen. Because... Hey, listen. Remember how you told me to toss those takeout containers before we left for vacation? And you were like, I'm serious. If that leaks over the counter, it'll be a slimy abomination by the time I get back. And I was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Of course. Don't worry about it. I won't forget. <laughs> well. Ooh, yeah. That happens. So start clean with Clorox. Use Clorox products as directed. Rinse after use if in contact with food surface. Through 25 seasons, hey! 4,561 episodes. I believe the Oprah Winfrey Show was one of the greatest classrooms in the world. I really never thought of it that way. The aha moments, the breakthroughs, the LOLs, the connections, the occasional ugly cry. I miss him so terribly. I miss him every single minute. The moments that mattered. Eye-opening life lessons. Never allow them to take you somewhere else. I'm bringing them back. It's time to open the vault. I've personally chosen these classic episodes to share with you again. Every single person you ever will meet shares that common desire. They want to know, do you see me? Do you hear me? Does what I say mean anything to you? You are listening to The Oprah Winfrey Show, the podcast. I love seeing how other people live. These three houses represent three very different lives. You can't tell much from the outside who lives here in this house with solar panels on the roof, what's going on behind these iron gates, and what's it like to live in one of these houses on an isolated island? Well, today, we are throwing these doors wide open to give you a look inside some really fascinating and very different lives, and also to see how we're all connected. First, we're heading to Carson City, Nevada, to what has become, I don't know if you know this, America's most famous brothel, the place Brooke Taylor calls home. Thanks for coming in. No problem. It's nice to see you again. Likewise. I'll see you next month. Yeah, sounds like a plan to me. It's 5.30 p.m. and Brooke has just wrapped up after two hours with the client. You know, I'd love to show you around, but um, I need to freshen it up a bit. So if you could just give me a minute and then I'll be right with you. Okay, thanks. <laughs> Welcome to my room. Come on in. So this is uh, my office <laughs> and my bedroom and my living room and everything else. Um, while I'm here, I typically see um, about one client a day. Every now and again, I'll, I'll have two. I only have one body, and I want it to be worth what they're spending the money on. When a guy comes to the ranch and he doesn't have a set appointment, he'll ring the, the bell at the gate. Everyone drops what they're doing and runs down. Mm -hmm. So many choices. Book. And you made the right one. Come on back. <laughs> 
The negotiation happens back here in our room. We don't want people's fantasies just blurted out in front of everybody else, and usually they don't either. It's, it's all a negotiation. There's no surprises here. Some of my toys can be found in this drawer. I got some that, ah, these are ones where I can tie people up. Hands and feet. <laughs> you can hog tie them if you really want to. But I also have a blindfold. And then you got the whip. Usually when I'm done with someone, I'll come in, I'll take a bath, get freshened up, soak, you know, enjoy my little pseudo break. I just take a few moments to play with my dog. Can I see you? You really can't take care of other people or offer other people a good time unless you're taking care of yourself. A lot of my downtime is spent going through my emails. I get hundreds of emails a day. Bella, should we call Grandma? Brooke also calls her mom at least once a day. Hello. I'm just playing with Bella. I have my, uh, my customer today that I was telling you about. He came in and spent some time. It was fun. Prostitution is something that we've all grown up being told is wrong. People are so judgmental anyways. It's in our nature. Prostitution doesn't define me. It's, it's a part of my life. It's not everything. Look around. You can find cars like these on AutoTrader, like that car riding right your tail. Or if you're tailgating right now, all those cars doubling as kitchens and living rooms are on AutoTrader too. Are you working out and listening to this ad at the same time? Well, multitasking pro, cars like the ones in the gym parking lot are for sale on AutoTrader. New cars, used cars, electric cars, maybe even flying cars. Okay, no flying cars, but as soon as they get invented, they'll be on AutoTrader. Just you wait. AutoTrader. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. So Brooke Taylor is joining us from her suite at the Bunny Ranch. Hi, Brooke. Hi. So, okay, you're a college graduate. You used to play the French horn and, you know. Still do. And still do. And could be doing a lot of other things. Why did you choose uh, this line of work? Well, you know, I was working as a case manager for adults with developmental disabilities, and I was living paycheck to paycheck on the hamster wheel of life. And, you know, I saw this as an opportunity to make a good income. And at a very young age, I have complete control over my financial situation, over my work situation. I'm my own boss. I make my own schedule. I have complete control. Okay. So when a person comes in and they make their choice, as we just saw in the tapes, and they decide, you know, I want Brooke, then, then what happens immediately after that door closes? Well, a lot of times, you know, if, they, if the customer wants to have a drink at the bar, we'll stop and I'll let him get a drink. I myself do not drink. And then we come back to my room and we discuss really what it is they want to do for Okay, let me just stop right there, because really, I, I just thought this was a good opportunity. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> no, okay. see what happens. So, does that happen immediately? You close the door, Brooke, and you, you say, obviously, he knows your name, so then you get his name. And uh, then you, do you just immediately go into what do you want, or are you discussing, well, you I know? Mean 
their hopes and dreams. If you do dreams. have some sort of small conversation with them, you find out where they're from, maybe why they're in town. Did they come just specifically to come to the ranch? Have they been here before? Yeah. You know, so there is small talk. You're not just delving right in there. But uh, yeah, once we once we get back to my bedroom, it's it's not much time before that is up for discussion. Okay, so is it always that the person tells you, you know, what their preferences are? No, sometimes they can be really shy about it. Maybe they've been told that um, it's something they should be ashamed of, so they're maybe a little more afraid to ask. But, you know, they're pretty open once they get in here. This is not the place to be judging someone. And once they understand that, they're really, they open up much more. Now, what if they, if they suggest something that you, you are not interested in doing or don't want to do or refuse to do or something? Do you have, well, a, we, do you have that your correct. own guidelines? Yeah. Yeah, we do not have to do anything or anyone we are not comfortable doing for a price we're not comfortable doing. Um, so if, if for some reason it's not working out between me and someone, I, I'm just asked to nicely introduce them to one of my friends who may be able to accommodate their needs. Uh-huh. Now, you don't like being called a prostitute, right? Well, I don't think it's an all-encompassing word. It's not a broad enough term for what I do. Some days I'm paid for sex, which is what the term prostitute uh, means, and some days I'm not. Sometimes I'm just paid for my company or to go have dinner with them. So it, it's just not a broad enough term. I prefer working girl, professional, independent contractor. You know, ultimately I'm in okay. sales. So as an independent contractor, so Brooke, would a person come all the way there to the Bunny Ranch and then say, would you go to dinner with me? Yeah, completely. Is, that's likely to a happen. Yes, a lot of my customers that come see me, they want what's called the girlfriend experience, where they'll come in and we spend, we spend the evening together. We go have dinner. We may go watch a show. Uh, you know, I may watch him gamble a little bit, and then we'll spend the night together. You know, so they do want that, that intimacy. It's not always just about coming in here and getting that immediate gratification. Sometimes I'm, I'm their girlfriend. I'm here when they want me and not what they don't. They don't have the time to go play the dating game. They don't have time to go to the bars and, and do all that. So they know I'm here when they need me. But eventually it's a wham, bam, thank you, ma'am kind of thing, right? <laughs> Sometimes, yeah. some guys, some guys, it really is not about um, the end result. Sometimes it's more about the journey. It's more about the adventure. I'd never heard that before. Sometimes they come and they want to pretend girlfriends. So like, you know, people like to pretend dress up and, you know, like you dress in a yeah, nurse's completely. costume. They want to pretend girlfriend. Completely. I even had, uh, you know, one of the gentlemen I had, uh, he wanted me to be the nagging wife. He had never been married and he, you know, worked 30 years around his co-workers and they complained about their nagging wife. So I was the one that nagged him all day and then he had his mistresses at night, but that was not me. <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> Brooke, I, I, let me just tell you this, Brooke. I've been doing this show since 1785, <laughs> it feels like. And I have never, in all of my reading and all of my experience, heard that a man paid <laughs> to go and see an independent contractor such as yourself <laughs> to pretend to have a nagging wife. Yes, well, now he did get the mistresses at night, so, uh, you know, he did have other reasons for coming in, but that was a big part of it. Uh -huh. He wanted me to get jealous at one point, and, and you know, I had to fight with him, and <laughs> it was a good day. Yeah. <laughs> There's approximately 30 rooms, and they're always full. Um, we have over 500 girls licensed with us, and they come and go. And this is Audrey's room. It's very classy, and Audrey's a very classy woman. Guys come in here and they really get a sense of who she is by her room. I love your Chase Lounge there. That's gotta be 
I think there's some fun going on on that. So this is our bar area, 24 hours a day. You can get yourself a, a woman and a drink. We also have a toy store. <laughs> so you can chat with your girl and you can maybe see what, what toys you would like to try out with her. This is our cash machine, obviously a very integral part of our business. Everything's built discreetly, including this machine, so that's very beneficial. So as the door says, this is our hooker booker office. We do not um, ourselves as working girls accept the money. We have a cashier that does all that. This is our outdoor area. This first room is a massage room. We have a masseuse that comes and uh, she rubs us down. She makes sure that all of our muscles get taken care of and that we are in you know, our most flexible state for when we get go back to work. This is a room that's completely waterproof. We have two overhead showers, and then we also have the hose that you can spray someone down. I've had a lot of fun in this room. <laughs> we do our testing once a week, our cultures once a week, our blood work once a month. And this is the room in which we do it in. So the doctor will come here, the girls will line up, and um, you know, we start a one at a time, just come in, do our thing, and go back to work. We're talking to Brooke Taylor, who is a working girl independent contractor at the Bunny Ranch brothel in Nevada for more than three years. It's all legal there. Can you, uh, first of all, have a social life outside the ranch? Do you, do you date? You can have a social life outside the ranch. Um, you know, what I find a lot of times is I tell a guy what I do, and they think of an E word, but it's easy, not expensive. You know, it's actually much more difficult to, to get me physically in my personal life than professionally. Professionally, the guys come in here, it's all laid out on the table, everything's agreed upon, and, and you move on with it. In a relationship, you know, not everything's put on the table out front. So uh, you can have it, but it, it can be tricky. It can be tricky. Yeah. So when you are dealing with um, your customer who comes in and they make the request, you know, there's so many women, I talk to them all the time on this show, who just don't feel like it every day. No, of course we don't feel like it every, every day. day. Uh, you know, then... <laughs> <laughs> that's and... the great thing about being my own boss. I can decide what days I want to work and what days I don't, you know, and I can decide, okay, if I was supposed to be here 10 days, like I did this time, I was supposed to be here 10 days, I made enough money in five, six days, so I'm gonna go ahead and go home. You're gonna go, go home? Go back to your mom's? Yeah, I'm gonna go, no, I'm going back to LA. I live in Los Angeles. I okay, come here so for you, work half of the So week. you just come in, what, part-time? Two weeks out of every month. Yeah, two that's what most of the girls do. They come in for 10 days, two weeks out of every month, and then they go back to wherever it is they live across the country. Is it just, you just come in to sort of make some quick money, and then what? Is that what it's? Yeah, well, it's all about the money, obviously. Yeah, well, and plus you don't want to get burned out. This is a job that, you know, you can become very easily jaded. You can very easily start to view your own self as, as an object and only an object. So, you know, it's very good to take time off and regain yourself. And like you said, not everyone wants to have sex every day. And we are human as well. So it's good to give yourself a break and, you know, sort of get that anticipation back up again. Well, you are one positive working girl. There and you I look am. like a... Nice French horn playing girl. I still am a nice French horn playing girl. <laughs> and now, well, what did your mom say? What did your mother say when you say, I'm gonna go work at the Bunny Ranch? My mom was very, very supportive straight off the bat. You know, I am very blessed that, um, you know, I had my mom's support. And she took it as, you know, it's an adventure. You know, you, she knew that at any point in time. What line I of work is she in? <laughs> I'm sorry? I, I know, what, what line of work is your mom in? My mom stays at 
at home. My mom's a housewife. Okay, good. And she thought that this was a good idea, really. Well, she, I mean, of course, my mom would think that going to law school would be a good idea. But my mom knew that I was 24 years old, that I was an adult, and she had two choices. One was to support me and still have me be a part of her life, and the other was to not have me be a part of her life. And thankfully, my mother knows what unconditional love is, and she chose to stick by me. My dad did not have the same reaction. Uh, My dad found out, and he didn't speak to me for three weeks. But what I found out was he had a lot of misconceptions about the job. He didn't really know exactly what I was doing here. He was thinking more of the illegal side of the business as opposed to when you legalize it and how it is. So, um, you know, it's brought us much closer. Once you open yourself up to your parents and say, hey, I'm a sexual being, and this is what I'm doing with that side of myself, there's really nothing else to hide. So, so can, I ask you, do, can I ask you this? Because you're, thank you for being so candid. When you are with your customers, do you also enjoy it? Is it, is it a sexual experience for you also, or is it just work? I mean, in a sense, it's all in a day's work. I mean, some people come in and I have more chemistry with them than others. Yes. So it just really depends on the person I'm with. But, you know, it's it's always in, an enjoyable experience for me. If it wasn't, I wouldn't be here. I'm not the type of person, I don't suffer in silence. So, um, you, you know, yeah. to a certain extent, yes, I do have fun with every person in here. Some more than others, just because you have that natural chemistry with them. Yeah. Strange penises don't get to you, though, right? Well, but a lot of 98% of my business is repeat clientele, so they're not strangers anymore. I have one guy I've been seeing every month for three years. He's certainly not a stranger. He's now a friend. Now a friend. Okay. So you really do treat this very much like a business. Do you intend to do this for a long time? For, I mean, do you have a career plan, a five-year goal? In two years, that will be my five-year point. And that, that was sort of the number that I had set up to be in here. So I don't, I don't want to be in this business after 30. Um, you know, I don't believe that this is a business that should be a career. Uh, it's very easy to become jaded on life, love, men, and even women, you know, because you're dealing with so many women on a daily basis. So I do believe that this is a bridge from A to B. You know, it's, it's to get you to the next spot, but it's not, it's not some place that you should sit for for too terribly long. So, you know, I give myself maximum another two years, but I am currently pursuing other endeavors in life, so um, it may be sooner than that. Do uh, any of your uh, customers ever ask you to play the French horn? Yes, I I do. I've actually had that. And I I had one guy come in and brought his guitar, and I sang with him, and... Yeah, it's just amazing. There's, like, singing and French horn playing and nagging. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I mean, there are downsides. You know, I've lost a lot of friends when I came into this business. A lot of people, you know, may prejudge me for what I do. But, um, you know, all in all, I have a pretty good life. (laughs) Well, it's been really interesting talking to you, Brooke. Thank you so much. Thank you. Wish you you. all the best. Thank you for having me. You and your French horn. Okay. Thank you. Well, some of you will remember the 1960s sitcom Green Acres. Remember that? Oh, how old are you? (laughs) It was about a fancy Manhattan couple who pack it all up and move to a farm, but the wife never quite adjusted to life in... Hooterville. Well, New York is where I'd rather stay. <laughs> That's not exactly the story of our next guest, but what happens when a self-described princess marries the greenest guy in Hollywood? So Rochelle Carson Begley is here, but Ed Begley's not, okay? Explain why. Uh, it's too far to ride his bicycle. <laughs> <laughs> Didn't want to leave a carbon footprint through the air. Anyway, Ed's joining us on Skype. Hi, Ed. 
Hi, Oprah. Thanks for having us on. I'm glad to have, have you uh, Skyping with us. So tell me this. When we asked if you wanted to fly here, you said no, you'd prefer Skyping. I know. I, it's less energy. Look at how great this is. Just electrons moving over the internet. And then, Rochelle, you said you wanted to be here. So that's why, you, that's why we did I this. much prefer here. Look, the lighting is so much better here, isn't it? <laughs> I mean, come on. <laughs> Lord. So, Ed, you were green before green was the greenest thing to do, right? I started, yeah, 1970 I started. It was the first Earth Day, and that was a big moment for me. But I lived 20 years in smoggy L.A. After 20 years of that horrible smog, I wanted to do something to make a difference. And my father, Ed Begley Sr., always told me, you know, walk the walk, you know, don't just talk the talk and, and do something. So I bought an electric car and did all this stuff that was very inexpensive because I was a broke actor then and I was doing good things for the environment and I saved money. What are you proudest of? I think I'm proudest, you know, people come up to me and say that, uh, you know, I bought a, a solar oven because of you. I got solar hot water because of you. I ride my bike to work because of you. Yeah. So, Ed, do you think that you have gone a little overboard or are you right where you think you need to be? I think I need to simplify even further. I think I need to go further. I don't think I've gone far oh, enough. <laughs> so how have you all managed this wonderful union with uh, when him bringing you along in the green footprint way? Humorously. Humorously. Very much so. When I met him, let me just say this, he was much more extreme, much more extreme. He wouldn't get in a car. He, he really wouldn't get in a car. He wouldn't get on a plane. Um, he wouldn't throw anything away. I mean, furniture that sh from high school, I think, truly. Yeah. So he has definitely loosened up a lot since with marriage. So Ed has now moved to the garden outside. Show us around. You all have had a garden for forever, right? I've always grown food since I was a very young man. That's one of the main reasons I wanted to get a house when I was quite young, and, but you can see behind me, you've got solar panels behind me here. Oh, yes, and uh, I'll show you a few other things. I also have a solar oven. I'm cooking something in it right now. You will see a pot inside there. It's yeah. 200 some odd degrees in my solar oven. People know, know me for an electric car, but my number one favorite form of transportation is my bicycle, which is right there. Rochelle brought you some lettuce that you'll see from my lovely garden. Okay. You can see I have also broccoli right here. I also have wonderful lettuce, just like what you got, and I hope you enjoy it. It's organic lettuce. And now Rochelle's favorite contraption. Here is a beautiful rain barrel where I've been collecting my rainwater. This is beautiful lettuce. That, do you, you, you grow, I, yes, I grow lettuce too out there in California. This is beautiful. I would have given you a little more than that. He was a little skimpy little on Little skimpy the, on the yeah, lettuce. No, but I, I, I let him pack it. But I didn't want to waste. Didn't want to waste. I was afraid it was in her luggage. Didn't want to waste. And yes, and it's, isn't it so wonderful though when your broccoli comes up? I'm growing broccoli too. It's great. And so do you all just eat what's in the garden? Yeah, we eat a lot of it. Oh, we maybe well. produce 25% of our food, but that's 25% that's not trucked in with a lot of fossil fuels. You can see behind me my solar panels, of course. And the house oh. is charged on the sun. The electric car is charged on the sun. We, you know, we could certainly reduce our dependence on Mideast oil and clean up the air in our cities if we did all the cost-effective stuff. Took me 20 years to be able to afford solar, but I started with the low-hanging fruit. I did the cheap and easy stuff, like energy efficiency. I did some of the stuff like I have in my house, like I have the wonderful ceiling fan and the energy-saving thermostat. I know a lot of people have seen this, but make sure you program it. Put in your energy-saving thermostat. Put a ceiling fan like I have. You'll save a lot of energy from that. Start as I did in 1970 with the cheap and easy stuff first. Yeah, well, he's cheap and easy. Cheap and easy. You <laughs> really grow some nice olives there. 
Thank, thank you. Yeah, yeah I've, I've been uh, harvesting olives and curing them for many years. I got two beautiful olive trees, and it's much cheaper than buying olives. Rochelle figured it out years ago. She said, you don't really care about the environment. You're just cheap. <laughs> <laughs> so what are all your rest of your Hollywood friends? I mean, what, what happens when people come over and you want to cook a meal? Are you out there on the bicycle peddling away? <laughs> I'm very lucky that a lot of my Hollywood friends have claimed, and I take them at their word, people like Larry Hagman, he claims that he put in the solar because of my influence. Uh, Cheryl Teagues did a lot of things. My friend Jackson Brown didn't have to do anything. He was off the grid long before I was. You're not completely off the grid. You're about 90% off the grid. Yeah, we will be completely off the grid when I'm finished with this remodel. We're doing a little remodel on the house that you can kind of see there. I mean, the garage. Up on the garage, I'm going to have more real estate there for solar panels, and we'll be totally off the grid. Uh, off the grid, explain to the audience what off the grid means. Oh, we will only be off the electric grid. I will not be off the natural gas grid, which gives us some heat. We will not be off the water grid. We'll be getting a lot of our water from the rainwater and the gray water system, but we'll still use some city water and we'll still use some natural gas from uh, Southern California gas, but precious little of that because I'm very well insulated. I just did an energy retrofit on my house and I reduced my natural gas bill by half. I reduced my electric as low as it was usage by half. So hey, tell me what your electric bill is. Tell me what is your electric? I, I'm just, just curious. Uh, it, when I was single, it was $100 a year. It was up to... Uh, many times that recently with uh, the different, there's new people in the house with blow dryers and curling irons. So uh, now it's gonna be back down to $100 a year with this new energy retrofit with the new solar. Wow, $100 a year? And that's, that's driving an electric car 10,000 miles a year too. That's fueling an electric vehicle 10,000 miles. That's part of that $100. So what does your daughter think of all this? <laughs> well, Rochelle. luckily, she knows no different. It's the Stockholm Syndrome. She just identifies <laughs> with her captors. <laughs> yes, she knows no different. So she thinks it's abnormal to go to uh, a home and see people throwing cans and bottles in the trash. She will pick them out. Really? It's a little weird. Well, <laughs> Ed, thank you very much. I don't know if we can go as far as you have gone right now, but you are truly an inspiration. Thank you so much. Thank you, Oprah. Thank you. Hey, Eddie. Rochelle. Thank you. Okay. So do you think you could live in a town, we could certainly live with solar panels, but could you live in a town that has no stores, no restaurants, not even a single traffic light? I know Ed could, right? <laughs> and what if I told you that the only way to get there is by boat? When you pull away from the main coast and head eight miles to the tiny island town of Frenchboro, population 50, residents say you're leaving the rat race behind. You won't find streetlights. You'll find one stop sign. It's new. You won't find grocery stores. You won't find a drugstore. You won't find a hairdresser or a dentist. Yes, we would kill for a hairdresser on the island. <laughs> My dream is to put a store here and, you know, have ice cream or just sit down and chit-chat. Since there is no grocery store in town, islanders need to stock up on food. Stock has dwindled down slowly over the winter, but we still have a good section of beef here. This is my moose that I shot. He was 600 pounds, and he's lasted over a year. Lobster fishing is the lifeline of this community. It's a tradition passed down through generations. Um, Joe Lunt. Davey Luntz, my father, David Luntz, his father, his father was Sanford Luntz. Just, they're all fishermen, just, that's what they do. After the long, brutal winter, the women of Frenchboro look forward to spring and the start of lobster season. Yeah, we pray for good weather to get them out. 
Which is a long because they're the, the men are in, all the men are in all day long. They disrupt the whole daily routine. There's, there's just no other way to say it. <laughs> we love them, but we love them when they're out too. Rob Stewart is one of only four men on the island whose livelihood does not depend on lobsters. I have an internet book business. On the last eight years, we've sold 17 or 18,000 books from here. I've been here nine years. We love the people on the island. We love the community, and uh, it's a small enough place that everybody matters. Islanders know life in Frenchboro isn't for everyone, but they say it suits them just fine. I think the best part about living out here is the independence that my children are gaining every day. It's the peace and quiet and stuff and not having to be like in a rat race all the time. I'll go over there, spend about a day, and I'm ready, I just want to go home. I don't care about doing nothing else. I just want to go home. So joining us, I bet y'all didn't know there's a town in the United States, so only 50 people in the whole town. Joining us from the one-room schoolhouse are 30 of Frenchboro's 50 residents. Welcome to the Oprah Show, y'all. Welcome. Yay! We got almost the whole darn town. Marissa, can you introduce us to some of your neighbors? Sure. I'm Marissa, and this is my son, Johnny. We have Doug and Michelle Finn, our school teachers. Tammy Disjardin and her daughter, Jade. John Want, our oldest native resident. John, stand up. Let's see John, oldest native. Hi, John. <laughs> How long have you been there, John? I've been here 78 and a half years. Wow. How often do you go off island? No often than I have to. <laughs> <laughs> okay, continue. And, and Marissa, introduce everybody. That's cool. No often than I have Okay. Um, Barbara Sawyer, another longtime native. My daughter, Teresa. Lance Bishop. Joseph Want, French Bros' most eligible bachelor. Um, let's see, Rob Stewart. And, and we're all, we are all but five that are on the island today. All but five that are on the island today. So this is a town, we've, we hear this about small towns. I used to think this is when you watch the Andy Griffith show, that everybody knew everybody's business. I would assume that is so in this town. Oh, <laughs> you don't know half of that. <laughs> now, and, I, and you introduced us to the most eligible bachelor. And what's the point? <laughs> <laughs> What's it like to be the most eligible bachelor in Frenchboro? <laughs> well, um, I don't know. It just kind of buys out. It's just <laughs> everyone is either a relative or half my age. So it's just fun <laughs> Oh, that's great. So what can you all tell me are, are the joys of, you know, it's literally leaving the rat race behind. Do you feel sort of disconnected to all of the uh, craziness that you do. First of all, you have TV, right? You have TV. Oh, yeah. yeah. Okay. So you see what's going on in the world, but do you feel sort of removed from that? I don't think we do. I know that I don't because we can get it when we want it. Uh, but yeah. we also have the great ability to step away from it when we're done. Yeah. You know, everybody's talking about the economy, the economy, and how everybody's affected. Do you all feel deeply affected? I think we felt it before the rest of you did. Really? Yeah. How so? Well, the, the, we're all dependent on the lobster price, and that was sort of the first thing to go. Mm -hmm. uh, and so that happened the beginning of last fall, the end of last summer, and that, that directly hits us for the rest of the entire year. So we're sort of in a hot seat right now. But when you've been managing 
on, on not having a lot, does it make it easier for you during the difficult times? Or are you really, really feeling it? We sort of always do the same. We're always in survival mode. I mean, the food is always getting stretched through the winter. We bulk up in the, in the fall. We try to make it stretch right through until the summer uh, and in the hopes that thing will, things will pick up in the meantime. So it's, it's just sort of business as usual, but this year has been just that much more acute. Welcome to Frenchboro's One Room Schoolhouse. Right now we've got two kindergartners, one first grade, uh, two second grade, three third grade, two sixth grade, and then we've got our lone eighth grader, Lance. I feel safe here. There's no cars going everywhere. Doug Finn teaches every subject, reading, writing, arithmetic, and he's also the gym coach. All the children in Frenchboro will travel to the mainland for high school. My hope is to graduate from MDI High School and then eventually get um, my master seaman's license. I've been fishing since I was seven. I would now have my own boat. When I'm out on my boat, it's a huge sense of freedom and responsibility. If someone were to say that I was missing out on stuff, I would say you would probably have to be here before you could say something like that, because out here, it's just an unbelievable experience. Yeah, it looks so. It looks like that little church. We were looking at the shot of the church. It looks like when you go to that church to pray, God hears you quicker or something in there. So everything so, yes, looks beautiful. What's it like being the only 14-year-old in Frenchboro, Lance? It's... It's definitely interesting. Uh, a lot more is expected of you from teachers and other adults. Uh-huh. And it's sometimes hard, especially during gym class and stuff, because it's hard to get paired up with someone that's your same skill level. Yeah, when you're looking at an eight-year-old. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, but do you, I thought you spoke really well there. Do, do you feel like sometimes, you know, if you can be, you know, perfectly honest with yourself and with us, do you feel like sometimes when you watch television or do you play video games? Yeah. Okay. When you do all that stuff, do you feel like you're missing out on a different kind of world? Sometimes, yeah, it's hard not to feel that way sometimes. But a lot of the time, it's you feel like other people are missing out on the experience of living here. Now, it's, you know, everybody came together, I know, to do this shot with us today. Do, is there a sense of a real community where everybody helps everybody else? If somebody is in need, is there a sense of that kind of community? Definitely. Mm -hmm. You can definitely feel that here. So Doug and Michelle, Doug and Michelle are there and are the teachers in town. They moved to Frenchboro a year ago from Alaska and I hear the town has gone to great lengths to keep the school open. How many, how many kids in the school? Uh, eleven. Yeah, we've got 11 right now. Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> it's big. It's a big, big amount. It's big. So you were in Alaska. Were you living a similar kind of life in Alaska? There were a lot more residents. In, we taught in an Eskimo village out there, and there were 800 people. So it was very difficult to get to and get from. So here we feel like we can see the mainland. <laughs> you can see the mainland. Terrific. Lobster man John Lunt is Frenchboro's elder statesman. Everybody loves him. John give you the shirt off his back. At 78, John is also a newlywed. He and his bride, Helen, met online. Then we made phone calls. I fell in love with his warm, wonderful, romantic voice. And 
decided to come out to the island to visit with him and get to know him. So I stayed for a month before I went back. And I think by that time, we knew for sure that we truly was in love with one another. What do you have to say, my dear? Yeah, I guess it's right. Sure did. I was told that when you marry John, you're not only marrying John, you're marrying the island. I love it. Oh, you met John earlier because uh, Helen is off island. He was one of the oldest uh, residents there. That's true love up there in Frenchboro. So, Mr. Stewart, uh, you run this, this whole uh, book dealership. I think that's so fantastic. One of the producers brought me a book that you had sent to me. I'm really grateful for it. I can't rightly tell what it's about, but it's copywritten in 1838, about the same time I started the show. So I'm very uh, <laughs> grateful to you, grateful to you for that. What put you in the book business? When I came to Frenchboro, I knew I would not be leaving again, and I needed to do something to make a living. And I was fortunate to have some connections with academic institutions. So we created the model of taking books that they wanted to deaccession or gift books that had been given to them. And we bring them to the island. I put them online, and it gives me an opportunity to stay on the island. Yeah, well, I think that's interesting. You said you came to the island. When you came to the island years ago, you knew you were never going to leave. What was it about it? You know, as I was, when I first heard about it, it feels kind of like, it feels Thoreau-ish like. Is that what you feel like there? It There's certainly a, a, an element of that. It's the island is uh, a lot like living on a, sailboat, if you like the ocean, the proximity of sea, sky, and air is absolute and constant. Very beautiful. Wow. Well, thank you all. Thank you, all of you, who uh, allowed us a glimpse into another way of life right here in the United States in Frenchboro, Maine. Thanks, everybody. And I don't think you'd have a problem in Frenchboro. I think you'd fit right in. We're in big trouble, honey. I want to move there. This is vital. <laughs> Adios, yeah. amigo. All right. <laughs> Bye, everybody. <laughs> I'm Oprah Winfrey, and you've been listening to The Oprah Winfrey Show, the podcast. If you haven't yet, go to Apple Podcasts and subscribe, rate, and review this podcast. Join me next week for another Oprah Show, the podcast. And I thank you for listening. <laughs>